And you call yourself a detective. Oh, oh that's a knife to the heart. Murdoch's like. Later, you're going to give me an A minus. I just know it. I can already feel the minus. <laughs> That's getting a little out of hand. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I added a bunch of extra ease on the transcript for the the uh, reel that I did the other day. Could you be you? Yeah. If it makes you feel good to say, hey! Welcome to Mystery Maniacs, a comedy recap podcast dedicated to mystery TV. Each week we dig into an episode of a show including the murders, the mayhem, and the loonies. And oh boy, do we have loonies mm-hmm. today. And everything else we love this week, Murdoch Mysteries, Big Murderer <laughs> on Campus, Episode 7, Season 2. Yes. I am Mark. I'm Sarah. I'm really happy. You know why? Why? Because I just ate some candy corn. Oh! <laughs> You know what that means? That I'm not going to remind you how many days it is to Halloween? Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. No, we don't want to do that. Though, much like other places, it is hotter than Satan's butt crack outside. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So it's hard to feel like the fall season is coming. And tomorrow it's going to be cool. I can mow the lawn and get poisoned. Okay, cool is so subjective. It's going to be in the 70s. Yes. And the humidity is going to be in the 80s. Yeah. It's still going to be hot. Uh. Well, a couple of things happened this week that we should talk about. First of all, some people have said some very nice things to us online. Yeah. Including a a lovely lady from New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you want to do that now? Yeah. Okay. You might remember that last week I revealed that uh, I had seen, I had been listening to some podcasts from New Zealand and I didn't realize. The word decade. As in 10 years. Was the same as dickhead. When you hear it in a New Zealand accent. Yes. So one of our listeners. From New Zealand. Ginger Petal. Oh, thank res- you. Responded to us. And are you going to do a dramatic reading I of think this? I have to. I think you do. I will apologize to all of our New Zealand <laughs> listeners in advance. Are you this ready? This poor woman is staring at her podcast player right now going, what are they going to do? I'm just going to read it. Okay. Are, are, are you ready? I'm ready. I should say this received two likes. Okay. Was not expecting to hear that dickhead and dickhead sound the same in a New Zealand accent. <laughs> Usually the jokes are all about how we say dick and dick. Obviously, we know what we're saying. Dick and dick? Dick, yeah. D- can like, you use like, that in a sentence? Like you're a dick. Okay. Let's build a dick on the back of the house. Oh, okay. We can have deck. A, we can have a barbecue on the dick. Who's who's dick? And invite your friend. Is that dick. Gonna, is that gonna hurt? <laughs> Having a barbecue on the dick? No. Okay. There's plenty of room on the dick. Who's dick? Like, not grandma's dick. Well, yours if we build it on the back of our house. Oh, you're not having a barbecue <laughs> on my dick. <laughs> Ginger Petal understands that people get dick and deck confused in a New yes. Zealand accent, but doesn't see why decade and decade should get confused. I think we need to go to New Zealand to explore this. Just to say yep. deck, to yep. see if people get offended or not. <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of people, mm-hmm. many people mentioned to me through comments and direct messages that there is now going to be an official Midsummer podcast. Yes. 
Most hey. people were like, aren't you guys the official Midsummer Podcast? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> that would mean we got paid. No, I think no. But they're um, the Midsummer Murders official social channels said, "Hey, there's a we're going to have an official podcast coming out." And first of all, which they, means one thing to me: there's going to be more Midsummer. Yes, that's. It what doesn't it matter means. what the podcast is like; they wouldn't be doing it if this was the last season. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It means that there are multiple seasons of Midsummer to come, and probably that the next season is coming out. Imminently. Yes, that's what I think, that we will have an imminent announcement. Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, thank you to all the lovely people who said on the thread, the official thread from (laughs) Midsummer, there's already a podcast and it's really good. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to compete with them. I think it's great. I think it'll be two completely different things around the same topic. They're not going to say dick and dick. No, no. (laughs) They won't be allowed. No. Nobody tells us what to say, though, Mark. I think they will be fantastic, and I can't wait to listen. Yeah, it'll be great. Uh, On uh, another social channel news, uh, Neil on Instagram, who was one of our random winners in the trivia contest, put up a reel of him unboxing his T-shirt. His Socko Fox T-shirt. His yellow Socko (laughs) Fox T-shirt, which is a brave combination, I must say. It is yellow and blue. quite fetching. That's a 1980s superhero from DC, if there ever was one. The Socko Fox on the yellow T-shirt. Yeah. It looks awesome. Thank you so much, Neil. Yeah, that was super fun to that watch. That was super fun. We uh, showed all our friends. Yeah. We don't have many friends. But. We were like, look, <laughs> people do like us, even yeah. if you don't. Yes. <laughs> we're not Dex. <laughs> you don't say it right. <laughs> I have the New Zealand accent <laughs> down, obviously. I mean, come on. It's All flawless. I can do is eem Um <laughs> Elsewhere on the socials, uh, we've mentioned that we have a new channel on Instagram, the Mystery Maniacs Alley. Yes, it's a broadcast channel on the Midsummer Maniacs main channel. Yeah, and if you haven't checked it out, just a couple of things that got posted this week that might, you know, get your interest, I guess. Yep. Um, I posted a recommendation for a show on BritBox called Alan Carr's Adventures with Agatha Christie. Which is fan fantastic. Alan Carr is so funny. Alan Carr is just He clearly loves Agatha Christie. He's got all kinds of great people on there with him. It was really, really fun to watch. I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you. I learned things about Agatha Christie that I did not know from that show. Which is saying something. Because we watch everything. We've seen every biography, biopic, all that good stuff. It was really fun. I also posted a couple of pictures of pumpkins that I've been working on. Yes, because Halloween is To give people a flavor of what kind of trouble I get up to when I'm not doing this. You posted links to the new Midsummer episodes that were yes, going out in the, in the UK. UK. In the UK last night, Angel, uh, the Witches of Angels Rise was broadcast for the first time. So that's season 22, episode six, I believe. Mm-hmm. So they're now just a full season behind us. Only one Only season. Full, and I posted the mini and both the video and audio version of the, the, full, main, episode? the full episode, which you should watch right after this one if you watched... Witches of Angels Rise, unless you listen to us like right after the episode. <laughs> nerds. Uh, we love um, you, nerds. Um, because we did a live episode of that. So we yeah. have, we have uh, that was when we announced Mystery Maniacs. 
That's right. And before we dive into this week's Murdoch, I just have a Sarah's recommendation. Yes. In addition to the Alan Carr thing, um, if you are an Audible member, which I'm a junkie for Audible, I have hundreds of audiobooks on Audible. They also have podcasts that they yeah. produce. And they just released one that's so good. It's called Agatha Christie and the Dandelion Poisoner. Oh, and what it's about is it's about Agatha Christie's life, but also this real murder case that was happening at the same time that she was writing one of her first books. It's the Herbert Armstrong murder case. It happened in 1921. It was in Hay on Wye. He was a lawyer who was accused of poisoning his sickly wife with weed killer. And, and he was um, convicted and hanged Yeah, for that. Now, this is very much like the Cornish affair. The Cornish mystery yes. with Poirot. With Poirot. And the woman who thinks her husband is poisoning her because he's a dentist and has a blonde. He would have a smart girl in the office. Hastings is like drool. Yeah. <laughs> they, go, they go all the way down to the Cornish coast to investigate it. And she does die before they can get there. All the there. way. It may take almost four hours to get there. <laughs> on, on a train, yeah. <laughs> But the Maybe pod- two days. The podcast series, it's like six or eight episodes, I can't remember, is about the parallels between that real mystery oh, that's cool. and the Cornish mystery. And it it's just, it's so fun. It's that's really fun. Cool. So if you've got Audible, you should go check it out. Ag- Agatha Christie and the Dandelion Poisoner. Okay, Big Murder on Campus. Mm-hmm. Original air date, March 17th, 2009. Don McBreedy is the director and Laurie Lind is the writer. This is a really important Murdoch episode. It's super important. If you are new to Murdoch and you've not seen episodes past this, you don't know how important this episode is. This is is. the foundation of years to come. And we're going to tell you, we're not going to ruin anything for you. No, we're not spoiling it. It's not spoiling it. But Gillies, one of the bad... We spoil everything in in the episode we're talking about, right? Gillies, one of the murderers, becomes the nemesis of Murdoch and Dr. Ogden, Ogden for five seasons. Yeah. This is the introduction to him. Yeah. And they know it already. Oh, yeah. It is so clear that he is already a way super duper bad guy. Well, he's a, far more than he is in this episode. He's a fantastic actor. Yeah. His name is Michael Cedar, and he's really, really good. But they put all these little hints of yep. just how nefarious he is. Absolutely. This is a small case for him. The things that he's going to do later, Oof. this has got nothing on it. There there are episodes of Murdoch that make me so anxious I get sick and I know the ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, what's going to I know what's going to happen. Don't. Yep. Ah, and you still hope that it turns out differently. <laughs> oh, there's one in particular. Oh, anyway. Yeah, there's one Gillies episode I can't watch because it makes me yeah. it makes me too edgy. Yep. yep. I've seen it and I don't need to see it again. Big man <laughs> on campus is what Not they're that pl- we're, you know, trying to like hint at anything. Yes. <laughs> oh big, boy. Big man on campus is what they're playing with here, which is actually a, a kind of more American title for universities goings on started in the 30s. It's like the most popular man yeah. on campus. Yeah. Now, when I was in college, it, it, it already turned into basically a contest. It was like Mr. Campus, you know, like who who was the most popular man who represented the campus. We had the BMOC contest. Yeah. It's, and you voted for 
BMOC and nothing like that in Canada. It's not like that. It was like a beauty contest for dudes. (laughs) Yes. Now I did, when I put this in, I found a bad, horrible movie. It's not, nobody from this episode is in this horrible movie. And we don't recommend you watch this movie, but there is a movie called Big Man on Campus. Which, which. (laughs) I've seen it. I can't believe I've seen it. Sarah has seen this. This is a horrible movie Sarah has seen. Let me read you this description. In this version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Notre Dame. A hunchback is found living on the bell tower of UCLA. He is put on trial and made to go through tests. One of the research doctors falls for him and he falls for her in the end. So I'm scared. First of all, hunchback is an incredibly derogatory term. It's just horrific. He's almost more like a caveman. I can't believe this movie was made in 1989. (laughs) 35 years ago. So I saw it when I was in high school at some point, somehow. Not at a theater, I'm going to say. There's no way I saw it at a theater. No, but it has Tom Skerritt in it and Cindy Williams and Armin Shimmerman in it. Like Well-known it, actors. If you yeah. look it up, you'll recognize people. Well, when I looked it up, I saw one of the characters' name, really the main character's name, and I kind of went, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Because the main character's name is Bob. Mm-hmm. Magalu, Gagalu, Ga, Luga, Luga, Luga. <laughs> That's the character because he name. makes up his own his own name. He says, "My name's Bob Magaluga Luga 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 Luga." Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> like I said, he's more like a caveman. In, in a scene, I watched the scene. It's where hilarious. He no, I'm it's sorry, not, it is it's, so funny. It's funny because Tom Skerritt is like, "Can you please be funny?" <laughs> And the guy's like, uh, it's so funny. It's not funny at all. Okay, we'll let our listeners judge. They can go on IMDb and watch that clip oh. of Bob Magaluga, Luga, 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 Luga. <laughs> Anybody got that name already? Oh, oh my God. At okay. least they didn't set it in France. <laughs> yeah, that would have been worse. <laughs> Bob Magaluga. Bob. Okay. Bob. Just a couple of things uh, before we begin about universities in Canada. University in Canada is very different. It's much more highbrow, and especially at this point in time. There's only 17 of them in all of the country at this time. In the U.S., any higher education institution that offers graduate degrees is called a university. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a college. Yes. It's the same way in Canada, right? There's Uh, just far more colleges than there are universities. But... The university started at this point in time amalgamating religious colleges, Mm. which is why you have a number of colleges at U of T. Yes. That are religious affiliated. You have St. Whatever of the whatever. While the university is... Like Oxford does. Yes. Yes. There's colleges inside the university. But they offer graduate programs. It just, it's like, we would say it's a school. Yes. Like we have a school of medicine. Yes. They would have a college of medicine, right? Yes, yes, yes. These dudes uh, walking around the quad at nine o'clock at night. By the way, this is all actually shot on U of T. It looks like this. Still, it's beautiful to this day. It's gorgeous. It's like Gales. Yep. Uh, They're laying down some mad beats on those drums, man. (laughs) 
That's what college kids do. Yeah. Especially at 9, 9 p.m. at night. I mean, come on. And then, okay. They also still wear their theater costumes out and about, just yeah. walking around. In a weird episode, why does George mention Antigone when two episodes ago he was having trouble with Shakespeare? <laughs> I'm guessing somebody mentioned to him they were performing Antigone. I guess. And he just took it from there. I guess. It's nine o'clock, which means peeping Tom time. Because that's when What's-Her-Face gets undressed. Yeah. So <laughs> so in, in an episode with some plot problems. Yeah. These guys stop and say she does this every night at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. And yet she gets paid by Gildy's. That's why Penn? she does it every night at nine o'clock because they've been paying her to do it. Okay. Because, you know, female students live in the building right next to the physics department. They're not off in some hovel of a dorm somewhere where they're, because they're obviously the minority. Well, and they would put them in the crappiest rooms they could. We did some research. Because, you know, that's what we do. When Julia went to medical school, they probably made her stay in a closet. Ennisley Hall was the first all-female resident at Victoria College at University of Toronto. It is built in 1903 and was the first residence hall for women in Canada. So this is an anachronism. No, I don't think it is because I don't think she's in a women's residence hall. I think she's in a room in a building that is used for other purposes that she just happens to have a room in. I guess. Maybe the physics department arranged for her to have that room. I don't know. So they can look at her. That doesn't make the book. We'll get there. (laughs) At first, you're like, why would anybody get undressed right in front of an open window that they know is is facing onto a crowded quad? And then you find out because she's being paid to do it. That's why she's doing it. And she doesn't seem to have one stitch of problem with that. No, because she probably needs the money. Yeah, absolutely. It's time for Murdoch to make an invention. Yeah. Talk about anachronism. It's less disruptive than guns. (laughs) He's testing out kind of the components of a bulletproof vest based on Mongolian armor that's supposedly made of layers of silk. Yes. This, there's no historical evidence none, for this. None at way. all. Though nowadays they are making ballistic armor out of spider silk. Yes. Which is terrifying. Yes. At least this scene is over quick. The idea of Lee. the idea of the only thing that's worse than spider silk armor is that they've bred goats to make spider silk which is really cringy to give you an indication of how small canada still is at this time and how small the university community is Brackenreed just says go to the university because there's only one in town yeah and though their jurisdiction seems to have no end yes the default is that it's within toronto Yes. So it must be the U of T. So we've got Samuel Bennett, yep. professor of physics, shot in the head from somewhere in the university quad while he was on the phone and looking through a telescope because he's a multitasker. Yes. My next note is mom and dad are fighting. Poor Crabtree. <laughs> when Julia enters the crime scene, it's like tension, <laughs> instant tension. This, this whole episode is mom and dad and mom and mom are fighting. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Stop it, moms. (laughs) Mothers. 
So next we move. Murdoch says there's a phantom killer on the loose. Yes, phantom killer. Dun, dun, dun. He's totally being facetious here, but it's great. Perry and Gillies here explain the theory of ether, which was, in fact, a theory of physics at this time. You have to remember at this time, the early, the late 19th century and early 20th century, several people have stated that physics was not a area to go into because they had figured it out. Mm-hmm. Most of physics was done. Yeah. And that you should go into chemistry because it had more financial uh, possibilities. Yeah. And there was more things to figure out. There was more things to figure out because ether was in vacuums. Yes. Now, of course, we know that there's no such thing as ether. But I think this is really good writing that we are like clued into their smarmy smartness. Instantly. Instantly. It is a shortcut to their personalities. Yeah. That they sit up in the galley. Yeah. It's like the kid who sits in the back row and knows everything. Yes. You know? So Godfrey, the professor who's teaching the class, the seminar. Yes. On his very tiny chalkboard. Very tiny chalkboard. He may as well just have a slate and hold it up to everybody. Yeah. He, But he has their number. He knows exactly what they are like. Yeah. Like, oh, you've been reading ahead. Yes. However, they came by that answer. Yes. They are correct. Blah. Won't call on them again. Yeah. Uh, also, I didn't get enough research on this because I couldn't find enough, but he may actually should have robes on. He might still have robes on, mm. like English professors have in universities. In the UK, yeah, yeah. The, the black robes. I'm kind of sorry that those are gone sometimes, and then I'm sometimes I'm like not sorry they're gone because they're probably hot and uncomfortable and get in your way. Let's talk about a completely irrelevant hobby that both of these professors have so that we have an explanation for a telescope. Well, they look at comets. That's not an irrelevant hobby for physicists. Yes. Physics professors. They're not astrophysicists. And they get to say Tycho Brahe. Yes. Who did, in fact, discover a comet, like they say. But I just, I can't get past the fact that Gillies is cringy from the first frame you see him Instantly. he's so mm. and when when the two of them when gillies and perry chase murdoch out of the building yep there's they're sycophantic but you know it's not real like they're not like wow you're a real detective and we're genuinely interested it's yeah. we have evidence that isn't real that we want to tell you about to frame somebody and then we want to watch the investigation because we're interested because we did it. Yes. Though, as an instructor, as a professor, I have had students chase me like that. Yes. And they're the ones you worry about. Indeed. I have had students say things like, is it okay if I just sign up for an hour in your office hours every week throughout the semester? Because I, even if I don't have anything specific to talk about, I just know that if I get to spend some time with you, I'm going to learn so much because I'm so interested in this topic. And I, I can already tell that you're a really great professor. And I'm like, no. There's Get away from me. A, there's also two types of people who are passed over for department head. People who are pleased by that yes. and people who are not pleased. Yeah. Most people are pleased to not. It's In most departments, in, in my experience, it is something you get stuck with, but not this, something you want. This is definitely a little colonialism, though, that he's British. And he gets brought in a new instruct, new yeah. member of the faculty and gets made chair. Yeah. Yeah. That, that they bring a chair in from the makes outside. Absolutely. 
sense. If you're an academic and they bring a chair in from the outside, a brand new hire, that is a bad sign for all the faculty who are there. Yeah. That none of you were a good choice. We had to find somebody. Speaking of academics, Brackenreed uses egghead here. Yeah. Which is a bit of an anachronism, too. He also says capiche. Capiche. Because <laughs> now he's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Egghead's actually popularized in this me- in this meaning in the 50s by Nixon mm. when he talks about Adelaide. Before that, it's just bald men. It's just bald our, men. Our eggheads, before, right? Yeah. Well, let's talk about George's search. Poor George. He's a foundling. March 14th, 1867. Poor George. He wants to find his mom. Yeah. Did you leave your baby at St. James Church in the care of Reverend Lovell? Is it Lovell or Lowell? On or about March 14th, 1867, police constable wishes to reunite with his mother. Is St. James Church real? Yes. Okay. There's lots of St. James's. So he was left on the doorstep of a church. All of this story... Because we've watched other Murdoch episodes, is completely forgotten. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he finds his mother and we forget about it. Yep. <laughs> but without it, we wouldn't have the dueling mothers. Yes. I don't like, okay, Murdoch is like, oh, this is a great idea. And he reads the the note and I'm like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> oh, the the ad that yeah. Crabtree wants to place. And He's then, sympathetic to Crabtree wanting to find his mother. But then Murdoch is instantly, this is a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Later on. Well, they don't say it when they read out the ad, but it must also say, come to Station House 4 <laughs> if you think you're my mom. I have money. <laughs> Which, you know, it must be a joy for the desk sergeant. Yeah. Oh, great. Here comes another Crabtree's mom. I was wrong because I thought at like 30 women show up. Yeah. I uh, remember it being more than two as but well. But it's only two. <laughs> Let's go to the uncomfort morgue. <laughs> Awkward morgue. Mom and dad are fighting. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that they both wish they weren't, though. Yes. Because Julia's pretty open to him coming around, and he's brave enough to come around and not try to, like, make up instantly, which I think is a good move on his part. He's like, let's at least be collegial. We have a good relationship as colleagues. We were beneficial to one another. Can we at least have that back? And they're both mature enough to do that. Yes. You know what you need to be a killer in Murdoch? Sand. Boaters. Well, yeah, it, there is a Venn diagram. Straw boater. <laughs> if you are on a university and there is a killer, he will be wearing a boater. Now, there are people in boaters who are not killers, but all killers on universities wear boaters. Yes. It's a tautology. Uh, at this point in time, you're like, uh, these two guys did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know they did it from the first time they approached Murdoch. Yes. Because what do killers do? They insinuate themselves in the investigation. So... They're May try- we be allowed to observe your investigation? They're try- no, scummy. They're trying to find the trajectory of the bullet. And Gillies goes, maybe he was kneeling. And is it Perry that says, or was it Dwarf? Yes. And then who says we have one of those, you know? I think Perry. it's Perry says that. Yes. Well, I'm off. Again, incredibly derogatory. It's horrendous, but I tried to find out if You wanted was- to know if that was true or not of the- Individual of extremely short stature was on the faculty at U of T. On the faculty of and was there? 
Uh, I have no idea. This is what I did. Because you got derailed instantly. (laughs) This is what I did find, though. There is an enormous amount of work done on dwarf stars at U of T. Well, that's good. And the professor and Hannah Chair in the History of Medicine Faculty of Medicine's name is Dr. Edward Shorter. (laughs) (laughs) But he is of an average height. (laughs) Which he appears to be in his picture. He's sitting down. so (laughs) Could be surrounded by other people of lower stature. So then I'm like, well, who else was at U of T at this time? Because it is a premier institution Mm -hmm. in Canada. And they missed an opportunity. At this point in time, William Lyon Mackenzie King... All the Canadians are like, oh, gosh. He's going to become prime minister. Yeah, he's he's a prime minister. But he's a student in 1896? He's a grad student at this time. Oh. Yes. He. I wish they, they had. If you're not Canadian, you don't know. And I only know this because I'm a con- married to a Canadian. But this is a prime minister who later publicly admitted that he talked to his dead mother. While prime minister, he admitted this. No, but I mean, yeah, later when he was prime minister, he publicly admitted that he talked to his dead mother and got advice from her on politics. Uh, Also had uh, Roman ruins on his uh, estate. Did he have them moved from Rome? No, he made them. Oh, (laughs) so they're Canadian Roman ruins. I guess. Okay. He probably liked Antigone. Weird cat. Absolutely. So then I'm like, well, I wonder if these professors were actual professors at U of T at this time. Who, Godfrey and Bennett? Yes, I told you this was a rabbit hole. Yeah. And I found, which could only be, I I may be one of two people who have ever read as much of this book as I've read. (laughs) The person who wrote it and you? There is a book entitled Physics at the University of Toronto 1843 to 18 to 1980 by Elizabeth J. Allen. Oh, Elizabeth. I hope this was your dissertation. I hope so. And you wrote it and you got away from it as quickly as possible. It's like 300 pages. Yeah. Yeah. Dissertations are. Yeah. It's, uh, those names don't appear in the book. The history of one department at one university for 150 years. Yeah. There are some famous professors that, at U of T, though, Marshall McLuhan, of course, near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the medium is the message. Yeah, Banting, who developed insulin, Robertson Davies, who I met. and uh, Did so, he pick you up? No. Okay. No, Robertson Davies didn't pick me up. <laughs> I just wondered how many famous people you've met tried to pick you up. No, Robertson Davies didn't pick me up. So. <laughs> and not like in a dating way, but like actually lift you off the ground. <laughs> So when we talked about the people who tried to pick me up on this show, it would be a very different show. (laughs) When they're trying to measure the trajectory, George is holding an ancient Roman invention. Yes. Called a groma. A groma. Which is a stripy stick. Yes. For helping measure distances. And that's what it is. And surveyors use them to this day. Yeah, but it's just a striped pole that helps you measure from a distance. Is that a vote of confidence, sir? Yes. Go away. Yeah. (laughs) Those really smart eggheads didn't count on you. Yes. Because you're one of them, too. It's interesting to see Murdoch with these academic intellectuals because Murdoch is not a university graduate. He he didn't come up that way, right? No, he's a self-taught. 
guy. He finished what would be the equivalent now of high school. Yeah. Which he did at a Jesuit school. Right. And that's it. And so he, everything else is self-taught. Then he was a lumberjack and then he was a constable. He's a polymath though. Yeah. And he does put his foot in it and look like a moron several times in front of Godfrey. Yeah, he does. He's like, you, you were looking at her. You were looking, you know. He's like, how could I have been doing that? It was cloudy. Why would he have been looking at a comet through his telescope? It yeah. was cloudy. And Murdoch's like, oh. Yeah, yeah Murdoch's quick to You wrote this here. note. No, I didn't. No. Oh. Dude, I think it's supposed to let us know that he's a bit intimidated by the academic intellectuals. He's got a bit of imposter syndrome, you know, kind of causing him some insecurity and making mistakes. Yeah. But in the end, yeah, obviously he overcomes it. But So we're back at the university at nighttime because Murdoch has a theory that maybe something was there that was hiding the shooter, the shooter, and it would return at nine o'clock. And, <laughs> and it does. Oh boy, does it. The cart man. We don't know what it's on the what is on the cart. We don't know why he shows up at 845 and leaves at 915, other than he is down on his wife. That's what we learned boy, about. Boy, he hates his <laughs> wife. He calls her a harpy. That harridan of a wife of and mine. Harridan. He has to go have a pint at the pub after making his rounds. But he has to do it quickly because if he's home after 9.15, that harridan of a wife. And Murdoch's like, okay, sir, thank you. <laughs> you may go. So why do you think that's in there? I think it's just to show that he's a common dude and, and that he has no more to contribute. Yeah. <laughs> than that he's there. But he does know for sure his timetable. He has a reason to yes. know exactly when he's there and when he's leaving. Yes. I think that's the purpose of it. I know we're broken up and everything, but can I still come over and talk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though you're busy, can I just talk to the back of your head while you conduct, obviously, finicky chemistry experiments? <laughs> oh, and when you finally are ready to pay attention to me out of frustration, I'll leave. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of understand that, though, because... Oh, it's just a perfectly written scene. It's just... it, But it for me, it's so common that I don't know what I think until I hear what I say. I have to talk things through to figure out yep. something. And I don't really need the other person to contribute a lot. I just need them to be there. I think, you know, you sometimes you just play bobblehead for me. Yep. And I'm like, oh, never mind. I just figured it out. Okay, I'm good. And yep. you're so patient about that. And I think that's what we're talking about. I understand that, that people figure things out differently. As soon as he sees that hourglass, he's like, aha, that's why the sand was there. Actually, it's silica, sir. But yes, that's why the sand was there. There yes. was a timer of some sort on yes. that gun. And it was somehow attached to the bottom of a cart and had a timer so that it would go off and shoot. How do you the make professor. a detective angry? You say, and you call yourself a detective. No. Oh, that's a knife to the heart. Murdoch's like, <laughs> later you're going to give me an A minus. I just know it. I can already feel the minus. <laughs> This whole contraption would not work. No. Now, no. the timer works. I understand yeah. that part. Yeah. But if that Cartman <laughs> parked 
a quarter of an inch. Yeah. Never mind. Different. How is it going to get pointed up from under the car? There That's the a- challenge, though. That's what Gillies and Perry embrace is the challenge of can we pull it off? Chances are that what they would have pulled off is just shooting the side of a building. Yes. Or shooting up into the sky. Whoa. How did it not get jostled on that rough cart on cobbled rough streets? Well, you see, they paid a young lady to appear naked. She's not naked. Yeah. Not she's, quite. She's half naked. George takes an eyeful, though. Oh, I think she's worth looking at for yeah. them, no question. But, like, her poor schedule. Oh, it's 8.45, I gotta get home and take my clothes off. Bye. Yep. I gotta go. <laughs> so they use the crime scene photos to find that out. Because yeah. of where the telescope is pointed. Meanwhile, Crabtree's wrestling with mothers. He was well known to do with joys of spring. <laughs> is, is that special academic for horny? Yes, I think so. Can I have a dollar? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, strumpet mom and apparently ugly mom are wrestling <laughs> at Station House 4. <laughs> and Brackenreed has to come out and go, mothers, stop it, take it outside. Mom and dad are fighting and mom and mom are fighting. <laughs> The one mom says to the other, you're so ugly you would like scare a horse away from a oat mill or something like that. And the other one just goes, strap it. I'm glad there's only two of them or it would get really gross. It would be a really bad wrestling match. So they bring the boys in and Murdoch talks to Perry while Gillies looks weird in the waiting room. (laughs) Okay, Gillies always looks weird. Yes, sorry, yes. Yes, he does. Always. And the more you know about him, the weirder he looks. I was watching for it this time. Yeah. He, like, there's a scene where he watches Julia walk across a room. And it's so predatory. I actually got chills because I hadn't noticed that before. Yeah. he gets a little obsessed with Julia. Like Perry, or, Perry just looks nervous. Yeah. He's a little bit defiant because he's still a rich boy, but he looks a bit nervous. But Gillies is like somebody looking at a bug pinned to a board. Yeah. You know, when he looks at people. Because they have to admit that they paid the young lady to get undressed. Yes, because it's Perry's handwriting on the note. It's purely a coincidence he got shot at the exact same time. That's bad killer. Yeah. Well, they don't expect to find the note, right? They don't yeah. expect Murdoch to have the note. They don't expect Murdoch to find out that it's not Godfrey's handwriting. No. So it's they, not well planned. They have to explain. Meanwhile, George and Murdoch have what seems to be a 15-minute discussion about Samson and Solomon. Yeah. Sir, if you're suggesting cutting me in half, we'll just have to agree to disagree no on that point. No one suggested that. That's <laughs> Crabtree, though. what i don't understand and we'll get to this when we cover this in a little bit there's a part in this episode where i think they cut some stuff yeah why was it not the samson solomon yeah i would have cut that part well okay so they have to find a way to separate perry and gillies right they need to turn perry on gillies they know that perry is the weaker of the two and and so they're they're going to target Perry as the weak link, right? But, okay. And so at the you, same time, they've also got two mothers who they need to distinguish which one's real and which one's not. And so Murdoch, being the smart person he is, comes up with the Solomon approach that will solve both problems. Yeah. This, anyone who writes 
for television works really hard. Not saying they don't. But it would not surprise me that this was one of her earlier scripts. Because it is problem, solution, wrong, problem, solution, wrong. Oh, I have an idea. Oh, I have an idea. Oh, I have an idea. Mm -hmm. And this, oh, I have an idea, solves all the problems. Yes. And I think trying to solve those two problems at the same time makes it a little awkward and tight at the end. So the idea is that they're going to get Perry. I know you're incredibly busy, Julia, and we're broken up. <laughs> but, but I need I your help. Use your help. <laughs> I know you're busy with a giant syringe squirting something into a cadaver. I know you've thrown me out of the house. But <laughs> could you help me move? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and pay for the movers. <laughs> and unload the truck at my new place. <laughs> and, and and that is perfect Murdoch because he is so completely unaware. Yeah, he of, is. Of, he's he's a kind person, but he's a little socially inept sometimes, right? Yeah. Because he just doesn't see why it would be a problem. <laughs> but I think Julia's grateful for the opportunity. Like, she gets I out of the morgue. I think she's fine yep. doing it. And now we have not an interrogation scene and not a bring everybody in the library scene. No. Which I it's celebrate. It's the recreate the crime I scene. celebrate both of those things, but there's too many of both those things. Yes. So this is, this is great. So they flatter Perry by saying, we know you didn't do it. You've convinced us of that. So now we need your expertise. And he's yes. like, oh. Of okay. course. So stand here in the exact same spot mm-hmm. with the telephone in your hand. Mm-hmm. And look at this just, telescope. I'm just a policeman. What do I know? What do I know? Murdoch does so great here. And then George gets shot. Who shoots George? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's Gillies trying to actually kill him. No. Because I don't think that's true. No. I think Murdoch arranged for him to be shot. Why did he arrange for him to be shot? He could have easily fired a blank and scared him. Because, like, Perry's a coward. Yeah. Perry's like, gone. He's not, like, checking the wounds or anything. But instead, they put George in basically a rudimentary bulletproof vest and actually shoot him through the window because of invention earlier on and never mention who's doing the shooting no no we have to talk about solomon and so so maybe station four has a secret sharpshooter maybe i i like your theory that it's julia it's julia He did ask her for help, you know? In a non-spoiler way, she's pretty good with a bow and arrow. She is. And she does shoot somebody with a rifle. She does, yeah. But it's not a sharpshooter shot. No. But how many people would George trust to shoot him from a distance through a window? I guess. And not hit him in his head. (sighs) Wow. I wouldn't shoot. And he's got to trust Murdoch's invention that it's going to save him, even though it does have a metal plate in it. He's going to step in front of... Between Perry and the window and take the bullet. At exact right time. And there's a clock going off at the same time. I'm sorry. The policeman's union is not going to approve of this. No. HR is not going to approve of this. Health and safety is not going to approve of this. uh, (laughs) Crabtree's one day of training did not prepare him. (laughs) No. No. I don't care how much you trust your boss. I trust my boss a lot. I'm not letting them shoot at me. Okay. So the boys are going to pull back in. And Do you remember when you first saw this? Did you think that George had actually been shot by like Gilly shot him, for oh, example? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I you did. really thought he'd been shot. I did. 
And I also thought for some reason that Perry was the ringleader. Mm, Watching yeah. it now, it's like incredibly obvious that Gillies is the ringleader. Oh, yeah. But the killer was targeting you, Perry. So Perry's getting the, the, the whammy put on him by Murdoch, the bollocksing. And Bracken Reed comes out and talks to Gillies. Bracken Reed's so good. He, he totally bullies the bully here. He, he's rough around the edges. But he puts it to good use. He takes his straw motor. Takes his hat, holds it just far enough away that he can't reach it. Yeah. And then so smartly offers him a cup of tea so that when Perry comes out from being interrogated, Gillies is sitting there with a dainty cup and saucer yep. looking as cool as a cucumber yep. while he's been in there getting grilled. Yeah. And giving him a cup of tea is so smart. So now they make the implication here subtly that maybe there's something going on with the boys that is more than murder. See, I didn't get that. I got the, they're partners in crime. They're not just friends. Okay. I didn't get that. Maybe they're a couple. I think that's a direct reference to Leopold and Loeb. If you don't know about Leopold and Loeb, they were a pair of real people real men in the 1920s who were students at the University of Chicago who got it into their head that it would be interesting to see if they could get away with murder. They were convinced they were convinced that they could murder somebody and not get caught. Yes. And they were both wealthy yep. and spoiled. And it was implied in all the press that they were gay. That they might have been gay. I don't know if they were. They, but they killed a little boy. They killed a little boy. And they did not get away with it. And they absolutely did it. And it's where thrill kill comes from. Yeah, absolutely. And and they even sort of admitted to it and said, but you can't convict us for it. Yeah. So, and they were wrong. And I think Gillies and Perry are supposed to be a reference to them, even though that would be out of time. They are the very very similar kinds of killers. By the way, because they didn't really have anything against Bennett, they just wanted to see if they could pull it off. Yes, everybody teleports everywhere in this episode. Yeah. So at the hospital in the hallway, we get the well because Julia has shot at Crabtree, pocketed the gun in one of her big pockets apparently, yep. and then boop boop to the hospital. Yep. Ahead of George being taken to the hospital. No, no, George is in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, because he he's paralyzed tells now. the moms that he's paralyzed and that he will need care for the rest of his life. A good man needs care for the rest of his life. Which of you will go to him? Yeah. Were you surprised by which mom shows up at the bedside? Yes. You thought it was going to be the fancier and they're, one? they're playing with that. Yeah. And it's a little heavy-handed with the wheelchair right there. Yeah. But also, hospital goes along with this? Of course they do. <laughs> Julia's a doctor. She's got connections. I guess. This is before later seasons where she starts to burn some bridges at hospitals. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the police. They're they're doing a sting, right? Because one of these women is a criminal. The fake I mom guess. is lying and trying to take Crabtree for a ride. And that's larceny, I think. I guess. At least, at the very least, wasting police time. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Murdoch, then we've got the big classroom scene. Murdoch gets to play. I, oh, I'm just so stupid. All the classes I've taught, I've never got to have a dramatic scene like this. <laughs> well, you didn't, you didn't reveal a murderer in no, any of your classes? No, I never get to do oh, that. I Man. Did, I did in one of my classes. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way you're able to pull it off is if it's you. Yeah. I, I like the way 
that Murdoch sort of pretends to frame it up as a physics lesson about yep. the noose. Yep. I think this it's a show, little obvious. This but. show is obsessed with that hangman's noose equation. Yeah. It makes reappearances mm-hmm. in the future. I think this is not only poor taste. Well, you know, that's where the phrase pulling my leg comes from. Yes. If you were hanged yep. and the noose wasn't long enough, so you were just choking yep. instead of your neck breaking, the you hang. would hope that a friend would come over and hang off of your leg yep. to, to put you out of your misery faster. So when they say, were you pulling my leg? Yeah. That's what that's what it's a reference to. And this is this is the scene where Gilly sees Julia for the first time and watches her like an animal. Well, she is the only woman in the room. Yeah. Now, why they put Bracken Reed and Julia on one side of them and put further away from the door than Perry and Gilly's are, because you think they're just gonna get off get up and take off out that door. They're yeah. right there. There's yeah. constables in the hallway. Yeah. So the the rope thing is just putting pressure on Perry. Right. But when Murdoch says that he made a list of all of the hardware required to to set this gun up. And we see the the scene where George and Henry go around to all the hardware stores and oh no. And say, Do you have the name of everybody who bought screws in the last three months? You do? Thank you. And you already have it prepared. No, we don't see that. Who but you can't do that. I've bought screws several times in the last three months, and I don't yeah. think anybody could say that I did. It's more likely they tracked them down by the... The sand. The they s- bought sand. No. Well, the, <laughs> the hourglass is a difficult thing to either make or buy. Oh, but in Murdoch's version of the rig, it's not. It's a bottle. Oh, that's right. It's a bottle. It's just a bottle leaking out onto a tiny tray. That catches the silica. Wasn't my idea. No. <laughs> I love those moments where you're like, oh, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Gilly's is like, don't talk, man. You you can't prove it. And Perry's I, like, it wasn't, it was it was him. Man. We're we're hopefully addicted to a whole bunch of shows, including Survivor. <laughs> I love it in Survivor when somebody says something stupid like that and the other person's like, oh, dude. You just Said that. You just blew it. Can you rewind time? No. Yep. Thanks. You screwed us all. You know, Gillies clearly knows it. Oh, by the way, George is perfectly fine. I came to thank you in the morgue of love. <laughs> Their families will hire be- the best lawyers. Oh, boy. Just wait. Just you wait. Hey, Julia, I know we broke up and everything, and um, but we, we work together on this case, so maybe things are going to be okay between us. So I thought maybe I would like invite you Can out you go to, to this battery, battery display? <laughs> no, I have to wash my body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to wash anything. It's I, better than going to a battery display with you. I, He's so out of touch. So I, I often win the most disastrous first date award <laughs> because of her choice. I took a young lady to see Blue Velvet on a first date. <laughs> it's not a first date movie. Okay. You may as well have taken your mom to go see it. Like that's, oh, that's that would be worse. But only not by a, a first date movie. And it wasn't... Read the reviews first. We enjoyed the movie. Uh, Yeah. But we did not go on a second date. Yeah, or speak afterwards, right? (laughs) No, I don't think so. But going to the battery thing with me might be the second worst first date. Yeah. 
Julia's goldfish is still here. And poor goldfish must be so bored. There's nothing in that tank. It's and then, just a big bottle. How I'm, did she squeeze it through the top? I'm like, the entire scene of George's mom, I'm like, you're not his mom, you're not his mom, you're not his mom, you're not his mom. Because <laughs> they totally rewrite this part later on. Yeah. It's like this whole- Disregard it completely. Yeah. It's, but it but, is kind of a fun little scene. Yes. Best corpse. There's only one. There's only one. So Bennett wins best corpse. Yep. After the credits, Murdoch gets a job at the university because he got an A minus. <laughs> I miss Does it. he go to the battery display by himself? <sighs> Probably. I think he does. Weird. I absolutely think he does. Because he's not gonna miss it. No, we covered horrible movies already. <laughs> yeah. We know that Gillies and Perry are gonna be tried. Yes. We know that uh, Crabtree and his mother are going to be dealt with, not dealt with. Yep. Um, and that's about it. Yep. And University of Toronto goes on. Okay. That's important. Now, and to this day, in a window at 9 p.m., you can see the ghostly apparition of a half-naked lady. Yes. No. No. I made that up. Okay. Now, we're going to prep you here. Prep you, Sarah. Oh, Okay. A character is, is arriving in the next episode, a character we do not like. Mm -hmm. And she vies for Murdoch's attention. Mm -hmm. How many episodes do you think she's in? As much as I hate her, she must be in a thousand episodes, but I think she's in like two. She's in three. Mm. The next three episodes. Mm. I, I promise we won't talk too much about we hate her. <laughs> Don't punch your TV. You'll want to. But. Because Murdoch gets a girlfriend. But. And it's not that it's not Julia. I understand that he can date other ladies, but I hate her. But. <laughs> in these okay, three it's episodes. Out of my system now. In kind these of. three episodes. What's her name? Eunice? I get her confused with Crabtree's girlfriend later. Maybe Eunice? I don't know. Maybe it's, oh. Woman I hate. It's bad. But we also get robots. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, you heard me right. Robots. Robots. We get Murdoch Mysteries doing Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Because that's Convalescence, mm -hmm. episode nine. And then we get Murdoch.com. Mm -hmm. Murdoch invents the internet. And in the background, 10. the most annoying girlfriend <laughs> you'll ever see. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say it. it's out of my system now, but that would be a lie. We we may mention that she's annoying. Nobody again. likes her. I don't like September her. September 4th for the next episode, season two, episode eight, I, Murdoch, which of course plays on I, Robot. 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 <laughs> September 6th, uh, we'll have the newsletter out and then uh, continue on Murdoch in September. When September is done, we will do Father... When Murdoch is done, I think there's two episodes after that. Though we will take our standard late October break mm -hmm. because I have to go to Canada and... And Halloween. everything is up in the air if there are new Midsummers. Everything's up Huzzah. in the air. And which we have a clear sign that there will be new Midsummers released soon yes. in the Midsummer Murders official podcast. In the meanwhile. And I wished those people, I wish them all the best. Oh, yeah. I think I think that's It'll a great fun. thing to do. So In the meanwhile, don't be a dick on your dick. <laughs> Try to stay cool. Yes, stay cool and enjoy the last few weeks of summer. Satan's butt crack. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. <laughs> Oh,
If you are new, 